this special episode of the SSPX interview series. We're joined by Father Patrick Summers, the District Superior of Asia for the Society of St. Pius X. Father Summers shares some of the unique challenges and stories of the life of tradition in the missions and encourages us to pray that the Lord send more laborers into the vineyard. You can find more information at sspxpodcast.com as well as all of our previous interview series. There as well, you can find a link to help support these projects. This is free to listen to as well as all of the resources we're posting. But if you can help with a one-time or a small monthly recurring donation, they'll be making sure that we can continue this work of producing good Catholic content on a regular basis. Listen now to hear how the society keeps the Archbishop's missionary spirit alive around the world and how the treasures of the Catholic Church continue to bear fruit today. Now let's join Father Summers, interviewed by Mr. James Vogel, Communications Director for the Society of St. Pius X, U.S. District. Father Summers, thank you for joining us. This is a pleasure. uh, We're taking advantage of Father's visit here to St. Mary's in the Angelus Press Studio. Father is the District Superior of Asia. And for our listeners who don't know you, Father, could you start by telling us a little bit about your background and your time as a priest? Okay, uh, sure, sure. I'm very happy to be here. I'm passing through quite a few places in the U.S. to explain the, the work of the SSPX across Asia. Uh, quite a few priories and chapels, but also a lot of schools trying to encourage the students to show them the, the great work of of the apostolate that's uh, in dire need of more laborers uh, in, in the fields. Um, we need more vocations, uh, young ladies, young men. We're trying to show them that there's another world out there uh, in need of the, the light of the faith. So yes, uh, about myself, well, nothing that interesting. Um, Born and raised in Michigan, actually went to college here, St. Mary's, Um, went to the seminary. First assignment after ordination was Post Falls, Idaho, spent a couple years there. Then I was sent out to India. For three years I worked out in India. Um, After that, 10 years in England, St. Michael's School. And then one year back in Post Falls as prior, before they needed to uh, make a change out in Asia. So they sent me out there as district spirit. So I've been there now. This is my sixth year in in uh, Asia. So uh, we li- I live in Singapore, but we, we visit many countries out there. So so that's about the, the, the short, All right. nut, in a nutshell, so to speak. Well, the District of Asia, uh, both its history and its scope, both very fascinating topics. And um, to the extent that I think our listeners realize the society has a presence in Asia, they may not realize uh, just what that entails. So could you speak a little bit? Or uh, okay. We could talk about many things, but maybe talk about the history or scope of, mm-hmm. of the Asian mm-hmm. district and everything that that encompasses. And just like in, in many, many countries around the world, many, let's say, continents, the SSPX was called by by Catholics in different countries saying, hey, you know, this is a disaster, the, uh, the, everything's falling apart, we're not learning our faith anymore, we don't have the access, access to the Mass anymore and the sacraments and the traditional things, so our priests would go out there, you know, sort of irregularly as much as they could, and then eventually it was set up a, as a autonomous house and a district. Um, we work now in uh, 12 countries in Asia, um, we can talk about many of them, a few I'll, uh, I'll remain discreet about, um, and I'll talk to people in person about, but not, not officially. Um, so we work across, let's say, almost every country in Asia, not, not every country. Um, it is, we have seven, uh, 
priories currently in Asia where, where priests live. In those seven priories, we have 23 priests. So, okay. um, you know, there's only a couple billion people out there. So it's about, about the right proportion, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Texas Ranger, you only need one for every uh, riot. Um, so, you know, that's really the, the challenge I would say is besides the, the, the great extent of all these different countries across uh, peninsulas and islands and, and giant land masses, um, you've got uh, these 23 priests that are sort of trying to get to as many people as they can, about 50 chapels okay. across these 12 countries. Um, but in total, around 4,000 current Catholics that, that come to us, 4,000 is, is a drop in the bucket. It's, it's not even a drop of a drop of the bucket uh, of the, the billions of people. So we do have a, uh, a real challenge because we're working in, let's say, the largest Hindu countries in the world, the largest Muslim countries in the world, the largest uh, Buddhist countries in the world, um, and some other countries that make life very challenging. Super majority sure. are some sort of paganism, um, except for the Philippines. The Philippines is, we call it a, a Catholic country in, in air quotes, uh, because we would compare it a bit like to Mexico. Yeah. It's a similar sort of style. Catholic background, many people are Baptist. I think the Philippines is about 80% baptized. Oh, yeah. It used to be almost 99%, but um, but it's going down quickly. And um, it's a bit like a Mexico. If you ask your typical person, is Mexico a Catholic country? They'd say, yes, no, sort of, um, you know, there's Catholic culture there somewhat. There's some Catholic practice, mm -hmm. but overall, we would never say the whole country and the government and the people are all Catholic. No, it's, the Philippines is many great Catholic people, but as a country, they're, they're, I don't think you could call them any longer a Catholic okay. country. It is easier for us to work there, um, let's say, compared to any of these other pagan sure. countries. So it's quite refreshing to go there. Um, but overall, there's, there's that. Besides the priests, the 23 priests, we also have several convents. Okay. And we have one brother's novitiate. So we have uh, the most obvious, many people know about it, the Consoling Sisters of the Sacred Heart, which I think recently opened their... In Phoenix here in America. Their first right. place here, which is great. Um, excellent community of, of, of sisters and nuns. And then there's another convent there also in India that's uh, called the Reparation Sisters. Um, then in the Philippines, we have a novitiate for the oblates of the SSPX, these oblate sisters, and they're, they're fantastic. Um, very good atmosphere, very, they do very good work, and they also train young ladies coming in to be, to be nuns. And then we also have a brother's novitiate in the Philippines. Um, that's uh, also a fantastic work to train these young men to be religious brothers. They help the priests, they do camps, they teach catechism, they take care of everything, and our brothers are invaluable and great, great helps to the priest over there. So yeah, that's the, let's say, the district in numbers. Okay. Um, well, it sounds like it's a remarkably diverse a district, both in this, the num. Well, you have a you have a diversity of backgrounds, even among your priests, right? You have oh, priests yeah. of different nationalities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You are you're working in some countries, as you mentioned, with a Catholic background. Others with a decidedly not Catholic background. You've got multiple languages. You all the priests have to use or learn in the missions. But uh, maybe could you give us? <laughs> a walkthrough or a tour of the district if you were an american coming okay. to visit you um you know what 
what is it like in uh, the district councils in Singapore as compared to mm. uh, the mm. mission in India, the mission in the sure. Philippines, sure. and then again, I know you uh, you can't talk about all the countries, but it just seems from the outside like it's it's it has to be something of a challenge with mm. all of these different countries with different histories, different probably yeah. distances yeah. from the priories. So uh, in many ways, it's unique and. Mm. Um, yeah, to the extent that you can, can you can you walk us through what yeah. what that's like on the ground? I think to start out with, I would say you know just like working in the U.S. or let's say the mm -hmm. District of Canada or Mexico or someplace in Europe, uh, every district or region has its particular strengths and weaknesses, and we, we certainly can see that you know when, when I travel home to see family in the US there's certain the priests are facing certain challenges that we maybe don't have in Asia on the other hand we have certain challenges they would never have so I think it's uh, you know same cross uh, and different sure. uh, color um, so let's say uh, the average situation would be each country is its own culture or each region within Asia I mean you could say uh, the people of India have these strengths and qualities, but you go all the way across the way, place to Japan, very different people from the Indians, but both have different strengths and, uh, and weaknesses. Both have, you know, mm -hmm. fallen human nature. So I think that's one thing that's fascinating is you, as a priest, you, I've worked in, in, in England and USA and also Asia. You have a constant reminder that, uh, yeah, the cultures are different. It might seem strange to us, this or that, but... At the end of the day, it's it's a, a man composed of body and soul, and having had the effects of original sin, and like all of us, poor sinners in need of the grace of God. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's, it's it comes down to that simple fact. Uh, one of the challenge I would say that I found more prevalent across Asia is their levels of catechism, their levels, the you know what they learn from within their dioceses or their local parishes before they find us is almost nil um, or so little that we have to re-teach a lot of stuff. You know, you got someone that's 50, sure. 50 years old, they've been going to their local parish for 50 years and they almost know nothing about their faith, very little. It's it's a cultural practice. I was sure. born into a Catholic family, so on Saturday Vigil Mass, we go to Mass and we sit there, uh, we, we, we sit there and we, we do our thing and then, or Sunday morning, whatever it is, and there's just this big vacuum of knowledge of the faith and therefore you know it's a, yeah. it's a real problem so i would say insofar as that human nature you have to hear confessions over there just same as you have to anywhere obviously as you mentioned the language issue is is can be a problem okay um some of our priests are able to learn the local languages but there's so many languages across asia even within even within countries um we rely a lot on just being able to speak english and in certain countries, we, we will use a translator um, to help us, um, you know, or at least learn enough sure. that I could hear confessions or do a marriage or some basic stuff that is good enough. Because as you can imagine, using a translator, that's one thing that shocked me is I've never had to do that before. I had to do it now, but, uh, you know, have somebody kneel down next to you in a confessional, in a room of confession, and then the penitent right next to them, and you go through a translator to... to, to, to <laughs> I mean, I, it doesn't bother me so much as I can imagine it's sure. very painful for the the person going to confession. So, yeah, we do want to, we always encourage the priest to to learn the language, or, and, and as you would expect, learning the language uh, gives you an understanding of the culture, 
you can't really know a people until you know their their language because sure. that's how we, we think and express etc um the question is always uh time yeah. you know uh, learning any language I, I don't spend enough time doing it and i should do more but um so yeah i would say um the challenges are it's a mass for me it's a massive area um but it, it makes sense what how we're set up it's just a question of um trying to get strong priories in every in every country or every right. place so that i can help the priories do their work and the priories can can take care of the, the good sure. faithful um but as it is because we're so short on priests that I, I have to also be a parish priest and go around and do masses and and things uh let's say parochial work sure. as well as uh district work so um that's one of our challenges is although our our, our my house is in singapore um i'm not there often enough as, I, as i'd like to be um doing administrative sure. work so i think that's a challenge is that's why I'm going around all these schools saying, listen, you know, young men, young ladies, um, you know, I, I gave a conference yesterday to some students and one of the middle school boys, you know, Father, I have a question. You just told us that there's X billion people over there. More than half the world's population is there. Why is the SSPX only put 23 priests there? And I said, well, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I said, well, because you're a lazy sod and you won't get off your seat and come over and help us, you know. <laughs> and I said, I know it's a couple, a couple of years away before you can do that. But I said, you know, really what we need is generous young men, young ladies to, to, to say, I want to dedicate myself to the salvation of souls. And that's, at the end of the day, that's, that's where we're at. So that's, that's say the main goal of, of when I'm talking to people around the U.S. now is to say, pray for vocations, pray that for generosity amongst these young men and young women. They have a difficult situation because our entire culture and the atmosphere we live in across the world now is very selfish, very self-centered. It's all about me and about my my image and about this, that, materialism, et cetera. So I would say that's, that's we're, we're fighting against a, a, a real difficult uh culture mm -hmm. to produce young men and young ladies to 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 give themselves up for the salvation of souls we got to go over a double obstacle you know mm -hmm. it's uh but no i i we, we do see a lot of uh a great uh young men young ladies i mean i i have never been happier than with my with my priests with the nuns and the brothers fantastic souls i mean really they're encouraging encouraging they're they're happy to be there they're happy to be where god sends them and so that's that's the the, the lovely thing about working out in in asia so father you mentioned that you are here broadly in america to to encourage and and, and find laborers for the vineyard so if i if i am a young man or if there's a young lady out there that hears one of your talks sees one of your presentations and decides uh, maybe i'm being called to be a missionary. Mm. Maybe I am, Asia does appeal to me. Um, mm. If I'm a young man that goes to the seminary, can I, can I request to be sent to the missions? Does that come at a certain mm. point? Or if I join the society, or if I join even one of these convents, mm -hmm. is there a guarantee or does that, mm. how does that factor into it? If someone wants to be yeah, a missionary, yeah, yeah, how, do you, yeah. how do you approach that? Good question. I would say uh, overall, you know, someone that's prepared themselves well, they've done everything they can to develop their talents or skills, they've, they've, uh, they've got a good stable, let's say, character. Um, they, what they would always do is they would mention to their superiors in, in the seminary or a convent, or whatever, say, you know, I'm, I'm offering myself if, 
if the superiors would like to send me the missions, I'd really like to go help save souls in that part of the world or, or this part of the world or whatever. They can mm -hmm. give their, let's say, opinion on their preference. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that they will necessarily go, but it's true that um, someone who excels and, and puts himself through the paces and proves themselves, um, they, they'll be very good material uh, working out in these far parts of the world. Um, and, and we always need that. But I would sure. say the same qualities that would make them excellent as a nun or a brother or a priest and work in the U.S. would also make them, you know, the same over sure. there. Um, having that desire for the, the faraway lands uh, is a good sign. Uh, it can be very helpful because sometimes the peers are like, well, I want to send this priest or this priest or this nun or this mm -hmm. nun, brother. Um, but um, I'm not sure that they can, that they're really going to have the desire um, so yeah, obviously telling mm -hmm. them that is, is, is a very good thing. I, I think we're trying to see this more, and certainly I've told this to all my priests and, and even the seminarians I've said, you know, you have to look upon this as the, a great blessing. You have to look upon this as almost like a promotion to say, they have chosen me as useless as I am. I get to go over and work in these faraway lands. Um, we don't just send anybody over there. Uh, you have to have certain qualities that, that are appropriate, and um, that's great. It's a great honor, um, and we need to live up to that 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 responsibility. So I would say there is no there is no specific set of qualities. Obviously, the normal things for anyone like good health, good judgment, um, ability to adapt. That's always, sure. I, I think Americans are great at that kind of stuff. Sure. We're really adaptable to the extreme. So, um, so I think that's 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 the summary okay. of the question, which is anything that would make you a good husband or a good wife, a good seminarian, a priest or brothers. They're all very similar qualities. I mean, okay. a husband and wife, as you would know, is you have to be phenomenally, and the generosity is is a big deal um, for anyone in a successful marriage, a successful vocation. That's at the very heart of it, you know. So. A follow-up that's a very practical side of this question. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm a young man or young lady listening to this or, or seeing what's going on in Asia, wants to come and visit or even participate mm -hmm. in the missionary mm -hmm. work, mm -hmm. are there opportunities in, in the orphanages? I think, and that might be a separate question, you do have some kind of a medical mission in the yes. Philippines. Yeah. Are there opportunities for for someone to visit various parts in Asia? And, and what would you say to someone if they said, look, I'd like to mm -hmm. come and see? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, there's probably two options there. One is sort of just like a general visit. They've got some time. You know, people mm -hmm. sometimes say, Father, can I come over for a week or two to somewhere and help out? I'm like, no, okay. One or two weeks, probably not enough overall sure. because you got the time change, you got the culture, the, the, the weather is different. Mm -hmm. And try to do a bit longer, maybe a month or two at least as minimum. But there is a Rosa Mystica Medical Mission every year. It's in March every year. And doctors, nurses, volunteers come from Europe, America, other places, even within Asia, they come together in the Philippines, and um, they do a great job. The, these medical teams come together, and they go to some of the very poor villages or poor abandoned places and set up shop there mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks. I think it's less than two weeks. And our priests go with them, and we, okay. when all the people come in for the free medical work, we try to start you know, digging into their soul and figure out make sure the baptisms are done, make sure they know their faith, catechism lessons for the children, 
you know, repair all the all the all the neglect that's been that's been there for a long time of the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. So it's both a medical and a and a, and a spiritual uh, mission that does very good work every year. And then they have to do follow up the rest of the year. They they have a permanent team set up over there to continue the, the work after this big. Uh, get uh, this big extravaganza, bring everybody together. Sure. Uh, then they continue the work with follow up the rest of the year. So it's it's a very good thing. So, so really, that's a good really exa- blending the corporal and spiritual work. Yes, we're trying to exactly yeah. and trying to trying to use that as a good launch pad to bring people back to the faith. And it's in the Philippines, as I said. Okay. They're just not. Uh, many of these places have been have not seen priests regularly for a long time, or just completely okay. forgotten about. So that's what we're trying to do there. Um, but yeah, we, we do take volunteers, especially firstly medical personnel okay. um, or people that are in the medical world. Um, it could be a pharmacist. I mean, it could be anybody in the okay. medical world that's helpful. They do all sorts of different medical procedures and, and checkups and, and fixing problems. Okay. So I think that's a very good thing for people to volunteer for. Also, as I said, sometimes you have a young man, a young lady wants to just come over and see what the rest of the world is like. They want to get out of their comfortable mm-hmm suburban life and see the real world uh that's very good but they got to dedicate a bit of time to do that they okay. can't as you can imagine it's a i don't know 18 20 hour flight over sure. there plus the the time jet lag plus the health and the, what sure. you call the uh the, the temperature change sure. um it's southeast asia is very hot and humid there are you know east asia further north you know japan korea etc those are not so hot but you know so okay yeah. Um, jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, so say someone is interested in the Rosa Mystic Mission in visiting, uh, yep. what's the best way for someone to? Well, we can we can put some okay, links down. We can put down, some things even down, down below. Screen. Yeah, we'll put okay. some things down below on the screen, Great. as you say, to to show them how to contact uh, the, the person in charge to say, hey, I'd like to come. What are the dates? What do I do? And you know, once they get over there, they're t- fully taken care of. Sure. Um, they, they're, they're put in a hotel with the other medical people and they're taken good care of okay. and it's a very I've seen I've seen what happens it's a very good atmosphere a very good camaraderie they meet new people uh, good uh, good Catholics who are zealous to to help others it's, as you say it's a corporal works of mercy it's fantastic to see that that's wonderful every year every year that's good so okay um, so going back to Asia mm-hmm. for a second I'm to, to what extent, especially working in different countries, do you see, if I'm phrasing this right, um, a difference between the work of, of restoration? So when we talk about oh. you know tradition and restoring all things in Christ and sort of recovering a Catholic spirit that might have existed or a Catholic tradition that might have existed mm. in a place like Philippines and uh, you know real missionary work where mm. you're in places different. where there is no, sure. you're not sure. really restoring. I, I'm asking, are there places where it's not mm. even so much restoring, but you know, just beginning pro- proper missionary work <laughs> yeah. in the sense of you're you're not dealing yep. with a Catholic yep, yep, background yep. and and maybe yep. you could speak to the differences that okay. you see okay. there. Yeah, I would say you could. Yeah, you could probably divide each region or let's say countries into are they are you dealing with a Catholic population that is just like your standard like you wouldn't in, in any place over here the catholics come to mass and and, and all these things just as normal they're, they're sort of got their catechism mm-hmm. they figured things out <clears throat> are there ones places where they're falling away catholics or apostate catholic that's another pr- issue you might have uh, is another issue where they are you're in a country which is very small percentage catholic and you're dealing always with 
non-Catholics. Uh, they're interested in the faith. You're doing catechism mm-hmm. classes, conversion classes. Um, that's actually that, and you, you be, as you can imagine, that takes a lot of time because sure. each case is a completely individual. Now you're dealing with this Buddhist person, and they have no concept of anything, but the very goodwill. Now you're dealing with this, uh, you know, complete um, what they call uh, what they call them free thinkers, which is our sure. their word for atheist uh, or agnostic. Uh, so you're dealing with someone that's only been raised ag- mm-hmm. agnos- agnostic, or you're dealing with uh, Catholics who just found tradition. They've sort of been languishing in their local uh, sure. parish with nothing. They were starving, and um, and they somehow come across us. And um, one of the things that's wonderful, uh, as as you might know, the difference between let's say Westerners and Easterners. Let's say in America, we would be to the uh, talking about the social scale. We we lean very heavily towards individualism mm-hmm. to the point almost of you know too much. Sure, I don't want to say that too loud. Um, uh, but you know we're not perfect, um, and so we we lean very heavily to the individual rights, and 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 we don't to the point where like I don't care what anybody else thinks, which is somehow unhuman. And then in Asia, certainly they would say they go to the other level, uh, leaning the other direction, which is social status or social image is very, very, very important. Okay. Uh, and so really that's uh, the East and West do think differently for sure. Um, and therefore that's one of the one of the challenges we have out there is uh, mm. if you're a Westerner, you really, it takes a long time to grasp that that uh, Some mindset men- yeah that yeah. yeah that mentality is so different you know that it can, we can get ourselves in trouble that we can actually be a, an obstacle to the to the gospel if we're not careful um understanding the culture more um you know obviously some things are just different mm-hmm. between the cultures. some sure. things are okay that's a strength on our side and that's a weakness on their side or in this particular scenario that's a great strength on their side and a weakness on us. i'll give you an example um that's very common sure one of them, one somebody in this, some person finds the, the faith, they come to the faith, whether they come from Buddhism or non-practicing or something, they find the faith. Very quickly, because of that social pressure, they want to bring all of their relatives and all of their friends and all of their coworkers. So you might, com- you might convert one person and you just picked up 50 to 60. Wow. Whereas over here in the US, it's like, yeah, I converted to Catholic faith. My family is not, you know, I'm not, I'm dead to them now. I'm all on my own and I'm alone, which is not great. Sure. Whereas here, you actually have a strength that they're, they're so socially uh, sensitive that they want, they're like, I found this great thing. There's the mass and the sacraments and we hear good sermons and we learn the faith and we, we work towards the salvation of our soul and you guys got to come. And it, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see. It's, it's great to see. Wow. Uh, so it, it's an example of what I first found, gosh, this is really, really strange to me, this incredible emphasis on everything social, uh, the social face, the, mm-hmm. the public persona, everything is so hyper to that level, but it can be a strength. And it, can, it obviously can be a weakness. Sure. The social pressure is very strong. A lot of Catholics say, oh, I'd love to come to society, but you know, people would look at me strangely. Sure. <laughs> Which happens everywhere in the world. Um, but uh, so it takes, I think it would say it takes a bit more courage there. They can be much stronger because they have to go, they have to go over a lot bigger hurdle than, than we might in the U.S. Because we're more individualistic. We're like, we yeah, have my family, sure. my relatives, they don't really like this, but I'm going over there. That's hard to get over. And they're just like any Catholic, previous Catholic situation. You were born and raised there. You, you were baptized there. Maybe your parents were married there. All your family go there. Sure. To walk away from that. 
That's not easy. It's not that's, easy. That's so I think it's it's fascinating difference there is the individualism that we live in over here in the U.S. maybe, and then over there the the social uh, life is so important over there. Um, okay. And you can imagine each side has a balance or an imbalance yeah. of that, and it's something you just have to to deal with and and learn. So that might tie into one of the other questions that I know people have just about the society's mm -hmm. work around the world, um, relationships with the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. I know in some of those countries, the Catholic Church is not big, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even mm -hmm. yep. just in general. So, um, again, to the extent that that might influence some social pressure in mm -hmm. some places. Oh, yeah. But in general, what is, uh, and again, um, I'm sure there are differences between country, but can you say anything broadly sure, or, or sure. in particular cases? What is what is the state of the Catholic Church in, okay. in Asia? And what are the And especially relations? between ourselves. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, I would say most of these countries we're talking about have such a small percentage of Catholics of, of the overall population. I mean, Japan is 0.3% Catholic. Okay. And there's hundreds of millions of people there. Mm -hmm. uh, Korea, I think, is around 10% Catholic. Um, uh India, I think, never has gone more than 2% Catholic. Uh, Singapore, about 6%. Uh, Philippines, 80%. Okay. Again, that's going down. I mean, they okay. were much, they were up high. As I said earlier, they're up in the 90s, way up in the 90s for, for a long time. Um, I would say in the countries where Catholicism is the extreme minority, um, those the bishops in those dioceses, sometimes they're, they're quite friendly to us because any help is help right sure. anything that's good any any positive thing they're like oh thank you very much you know we the bishops have met some places have complimented us we have no dealings with them per se right but they they're like hey thanks for taking care of catholics in this country and we're like oh well, uh, you're welcome and we're not sure what to do <laughs> um in other places they they're very against us so for example the philippines okay. you know obviously we're we're a real thorn in the side for them because more and more Catholics are, are, are leaving their Novus Ordo parishes and coming to us. It's growing, but that's a threat and um, they're not sure what to make of it. So they, they generally condemn us. They don't want to help us in any way as a general rule. Okay. Um, in other countries, um, we can be condemned by them or we can be uh, tolerated by them. It's, it's, it's really, as okay. you said, it's each country has a different rule. Um, Overall, it's it's somewhat surprising, I would say, um, some of the very good bishops out there who would just want to spread the faith, but they look upon us as, as a help. Okay. Uh, in other cases, they don't. So okay. it's probably a mixed bag. It'd be the general rule that it's a mixed bag. Sure. Um, in general, let's say the traditional mass across Asia is very extremely limited. And many of these, and just to be clear, you don't just mean since, for instance, Traditiones Custodes. You mean oh no, I mean even here, before yeah. that. Yeah, I would say even before you know the Traditiones Custodes, it was extremely limited. Like okay. we we tend to be operating in, in many places, and and there's not no nothing else out there. Um, in many of these countries, the the you talk to the local Catholics, they don't really because Asia has in general more conservative than, than okay. other places in their morals and in their the catholics and in the diocese they tend to be on average a bit more conservative i would say okay. as a general rule um and therefore they don't see the insane abuses that they might happen in other another okay. uh, the liturgical abuses there are some but it's certainly not it's not something like germany or something it's not okay. as insane as that or okay. some places in the u.s uh, so I would say, as a general, they're like, "What well, crisis? What crisis? You know, we we still go to mass, we still get communion, 
Um, therefore, what's the big deal? And, and the more they study, they're more like, oh, okay, there is a crisis. But as initially, let's say, if they're just in a little comfort zone, they don't really see it um, in, in many places. Sure. Um, what's the need for it, right? So um, that's that's okay. kind of the general the world there. Okay, that's interesting. Um, you've maybe answered part of this question before, but again, broadly speaking, what what is the biggest challenge to mm. to the apostolate and and maybe what's the sign of greatest hope for you as okay. the superior there? Okay. Um, uh, as as I as I'm sure you're aware the because of the numbers of people, because of the distances, I would say the the first goal would be to set up very good, strong priories um, with a good, solid priests, brothers and sisters, that the, the more of those that we have well-established, uh, the more you can, you know, mm-hmm. you can spread and, and do good. Uh, one of the greatest dangers we certainly can face if we're not careful, just like anywhere in the world, is overextension. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, gosh, we, we should be in every single country and every single city of every single country. Sure. and that's a real strong temptation to do and then you start isolating your priests and well it ends up being uh counterproductive then you sure. bre- you break a priest or a brother sure. or sister and then then you're down even lower right sure so you know the faithful are very hungry as one of the things i hear most often father we want more masses more sacraments more sermons more catechism more presence of the priest there and, and the religious there we want these, this, we want schools, we want all these things that are wonderful things. They're hungry, and, mm-hmm. and I don't blame them. Um, but it, we have to look a little bit bigger picture than just simply, yeah. yes, I can send you two priests to live in this uh, this nice city here where there's a lot of Catholics, and they could do a lot of great work there. But three years down the road when they when they crack and, and have a breakdown <laughs> because sure. we push them too far and too quickly and... Uh, um, it's actually counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd say the biggest, let's say, temptation, the biggest sorrow is we would love to, to go, and I hear it all the time. You know, the Catholics out there, are very good people. They're very hungry, and hungry for the faith, and therefore they're like, we want more. And you're not giving us more, and we want more. Sure. Hey, hey, I'm I'm all for that. Um, but my job is sort of administration is to say i got to manage my sure. my people my priests my brothers my sisters to make sure obviously we take care of them so they don't they don't fall apart uh, but at the same time that they can the more i'm taking care of them the more they can take care of the the faithful i would say the biggest challenge administrative wise is you're dealing with so many different countries yeah. And therefore, there's no universal rule that sure. I can say, okay, in our district of Asia, here's how we run things. Okay. You can do that in, uh, in one country, but you can't do it in every country. So I have to sort of say, okay, each priory, you need to come up with a set of how you operate, a set of rules and plan of how you operate. Your strategy for that country is the opposite of strategy for this country. This country is less than 1% Catholic. This country is 80% Catholic. You're not going to have the same sure. at all way you run things. Um, you got that problem of, of cultural differences, language differences, uh, climate differences, um, you know, financial differences. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go from the Philippines and then you go into Japan and you're like, I just, just a couple hour flight and I'm in opposite ends of the spectrum of financial uh, okay. situation. I mean, it's, it's insane, you know. Uh, so I would say, you know, you can go to great extremes, you know. Sure. Singapore is to be the opposite of. Uh, I don't know any uh, some other country and uh, 
So I, I'd say you, you really, with, with a couple hour flight, you're running into all these, you know, if you sure. go from Kansas to Oklahoma, there's not that much of a difference no. insofar as the no. way people live, right? Right. If you do that same distance in Asia, you're in another world. Okay. And I'd say that's the, the real challenge is you're trying to manage so many different cultures and peoples and languages and laws and governments. Sure. You, you're, you're, as I say, you're, you're doing a, a plate spinning operation. Sure. And, and it, it works, it functions, it's okay, it's, it's, it's doable. Uh, really, what you get strong in, I would say, what you have to learn, and this is good for every Catholic, you have to learn the reality of divine providence. If you mm. don't have that, you're gonna have a nervous breakdown. Um, Interesting. Or you're just gonna fall apart. So I think that's one thing I'm always pushing to, to the faithful, to my priests, to say, listen, keep studying that, uh, that doctrine, the reality of, of God's okay. providence, because we can't, we can't we can't survive without that can't survive without that and to make things very practical i think you mentioned there are seven priories i think you mentioned a few of them so singapore the philippines so priory in the singapore okay. in singapore uh myself plus two priests um doing very the priests are doing my priests are doing very good work there there's always more work to do sure they take care of um they help in chapels in malaysia and um indonesia okay uh, also, um, the next priority close by, let's say, would be if you're moving in a clockwise direction, Sri Lanka. There are two okay. of our two of our priests in Sri Lanka, and they take care of several places from there. Okay. And then in South India, we have a priory um, with two Indian priests there, doing great work, taking care of many chapels and also um, the orphanage and another convent, the Reparation Sisters. So doing great work. Again, a place where we, we could use sure. a lot more help. Um, then moving on clockwise, you go over to um, Japan, a new, one of our newest priories, okay. uh, Tokyo. Um, Stella Matutina Priory, excellent. Uh, Father Onoda does an excellent job. He has an assistant priest with him, so there are two priests there. Um, and they take care of South Korea and other places in Japan. Sure. Um, so they're, they're very busy, but... Okay. One of the problems with the, the Japanese situation is the Japanese, as everyone should know, is they're insanely hard workers. And so you can imagine your apostolate is limited, especially to Sunday. And then during the weekdays, you're trying to get up early and do things as early as you can before people go to work or late at night. Uh, I see. So I remember talking to the priest and they're doing their catechism lessons at 9.30 at night. And I'm oh, like, oh, why wow. are you up at 9.30 at night? Well, you know, that they get out of work late and they, they have no time, they gotta travel and, it's fascinating because that's again an example sure. where I would never tell anyone to do catechism at nine thirty at night. Sure, that's all that's no available. Option. Right, huh. if you want to teach the faith, you got to adjust to their schedule, and that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Um, so that's an example. So Japan is doing great work. It's a, it's a very new priory, I would say. They're just getting established and setting things up. Uh, then you move down to probably where we have the most things, which is the Philippines. It's the easiest place to work insofar okay. as governments and things like this um so we have a, a priory in manila and a, and a school okay uh, the school is run by father peter fortin an american who was actually i think from here from saint mary's okay and um <clears throat> he has about around 100 students doing a very good job with the school there like any school it needs more more help um let's say the priory there is i would say less than a thousand people at mass okay. but it's probably our biggest center okay. for sure for sure um, doing very good work there, beautiful church. Um, 
Then you go down to the center of the Philippines. So the Philippines is 7,000 islands, right? But if you group them into sections, the center islands, the Visayas, we have a priory uh, in Iloilo. That's where they train the religious brothers, the okay. priests living there. They, they help, with, they do circuits from there. It's very, very good. Um, then you move down to the very bottom of the Philippines, uh, Mindanao Island, um, which is the second biggest island in the Philippines. And Father Timothy Pfeiffer is the prior there, does excellent work. Um, he's also a director for the Militia Makalate okay. and uh, many other things. Um, so there they have several priests. They also there have, we also there have the training the novitiate for training uh oblate sisters of the society okay uh they're they're going to be starting a big building project too but they have no convent they're just living in rented houses right now okay uh, for about gosh five six seven years i can't remember how long they've been there uh but now we're just starting to to get going on that sure um so that's mindanao um as you uh, that's the three priories in the philippines a school that's where the Rosa Mystica Medical takes place. Okay. Um, then moving on, I mean, I could go on for a long, but there's a lot of magnificent stuff going on in the Philippines. But that's again a, a, a place where there is infinite amount of work just to bring Catholics back to the faith. Okay. <laughs> you know, a lot. You know, you got eighty yeah. percent of the country baptized, but very little of that would be regularly practicing. Okay. Okay. Um, so. Then you move on to to the last prior that we haven't talked about, which is Singapore. Um, Singapore again, a very unusual place because it's it's like fifteen miles wide, tall by thirty miles wide. Okay, not very big. Okay, it's a couple farms over here in the U.S. size, <laughs> uh, but it's six million people. Wow! So it's one big city. They got okay. some great parks and stuff, but it's really a big, just okay. a one big city. Very good Catholics there. It's um, very, I would say, mostly. Chinese ethnicity, but also um, uh, Indian, Malay, and Eurasian, sort of mix, mixed up some, but mostly uh, Chinese peoples okay. uh, that came over in the last hundred years or, or longer. Um, and then from there, we, as I mentioned, we, already, we, we take care of uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, and, and some other places as well. Sure. Um, so those are the, the seven priories. Um, each of the of, of the twelve countries we work in, obviously, every country would like either a priory or more priories. Right. Um, you know, there's always talk about making another priory in the, in the Philippines. The travel amongst seven thousand islands, you can imagine, is makes life difficult. It is. It's hard to imagine. Yeah, you can't imagine until you do it. It's uh, <laughs> it's not that easy. So I think you know, obviously, we we fly around. Uh, at least I do. I fly around a bit more mm -hmm. than the other priests. Uh, we try to keep them as local as possible. They got to use buses, trains, ferries, uh, motorcycles, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's really a adventurous sort of thing across Asia. How you travel and 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 how you get places, um, because the population's so big, any of the cities is massively congested. Sure. So I said that's you know you haven't seen traffic jams in the U.S. until you go okay. over there. Um, so yeah, no, I would say. That's a general, let's say, overall view of all the different priories and and, and countries we we are in. I don't think I even mentioned all the countries. So, obviously, um, uh, Dubai, okay. Abu Dhabi. Um, then India. We work in India. We work in Sri Lanka, as you know. We work in Korea, uh, Japan, uh, Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, um, Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, and a few other countries. Okay. So, 
So that's where we're, we're generally working. Um, okay. Right. I, I want to switch gears for a moment to talk about the mass. Yep. Obviously, the traditional Latin sure. mass is, is integral to the right. history of the society. You've already mentioned that part of the history of the District of Asia comes from people there asking for, yep. priests asking for uh, the mass. Obviously, I don't want to go too far afield. But historically, this was one of the arguments in favor for, let's say, a oh, right. language right, and things right, like right. that. And certainly in the 20th century, there was um, b between the liturgical movement and, and debates about missionary activity. Mm. <clears throat> you can probably see on the ground how in a district or in an area where you're dealing with so many different spoken languages and mm. cultures, mm. Um, mass probably, mass in, a, in your average diocesan parish probably varies quite a bit. But have you seen, maybe even personally, um, not just the utility of the traditional Latin Mass, but have you seen its missionary uh, impact? Mm. Can you speak to mm. Can you speak to working in the diverse uh, arrangements you've mentioned? Um, something about the the importance of the traditional mm. Latin Mass. Sure, sure, sure. You know. Well, at the very beginning, what what we certainly see is. Um, after the Second Vatican Council, all of a sudden, there seems to be the uh, the rise of a false enculturation, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to bring in their local, um, let's say in some cases, superstitious things um, from their pagan culture. They're like, well, this is our culture of this, mm -hmm. of this place. We're going to bring it into the mass. You're like, well, okay, there's culture, and then there's culture. And if it's a pagan, superstitious culture, you do not want to bring that into the mass, right? Obviously. Um, so <clears throat> there's a lot of that going on um, where things that were always, you know, they taught the faith, okay, those kind of things are cultural, outside of the church, you can do them. There, there's Would this be wrong. things like Confucius and... Uh, you know... And some uh, of this say, goes back worship, centuries. Worship right? of the ancestors okay. or let's say pagan cultural things that were that were dedicated towards uh, just superstitious beliefs. Okay. And they were, okay, you know... They had no real place uh, with the Catholics or the Catholic faith. Uh, some of them were harmless outside of the church, harmless to do. Um, you know, we cook this sort of special meal on this day because culturally they always did that because of the yeah. season or because of the favor or whatever it is. Okay, fine. You know, but now they want you know in the last fifty to seventy years they want to bring these things into the the church and um, bring these these pagan things into the church of course okay. and that's where it's like shocking because you know it's so obviously wrong sure but um more to the point i would say culturally <clears throat> i've lost track i thought he was sorry oh it's light mass so um yeah obviously we, we speak about languages it's it's actually hilarious because now more than ever in this last century and in this century, people travel more than they ever traveled before. Uh, sure. So historically, it would have made sense if you want to go to the local vernacular language when people weren't traveling, that sort of makes a little bit of sense, a little bit, okay, yeah. fine. Now the fact that you have a global society and, and human beings travel insanely, uh, insane amounts, <laughs> to have sure. one universal language for the, the liturgy makes, makes way more sense now sure. than it did 200 years ago. Um, and, and I talked to the priests in these dioceses and like, oh yeah, well, I, I have to go 
uh, because I speak those two languages. I have to go always over to that parish and that parish at this time of day because they have a, a special that language mass and then, then that language mass and this other priest, he doesn't know those three other languages, so he has to stay here and do that language mass. And yeah. they have an incredibly complicated uh, web of, of circuits sure. and uh, mass schedules because oh, I don't speak that language, so I'm not, I'm not useful for this litur liturgical thing, but I am for that, so I have to travel over there. And we need to make sure we get this sort of priest into our parish because there's this community that want to hear Mass in their language, and it ends up being, there's no unity, of course. Sure. I mean, and then it creates a sort of <laughs> racism because like, oh, that's the, that's the Chinese Mass, that's the Indian Mass, or that's the, you know, the this group Mass and not that group Mass. And it, it's insane because it, there's no... A very little parochial unity at that point then you're like well, okay interesting so i would say the latin mass of course obviously should be a unifier for sure that all these different races of people living in these different countries they can sing the gregorian chant they can sing the the mass is is fantastic you know um because there is a lot of division across asia uh as a general rule anybody who's lived in asia knows they, they tend not to like each other Okay. The different countries that, expect, and it's not surprising. I'm not surprised at all that paganism doesn't exactly create uh, a sense of fraternal charity. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this race and this race and this country and this country they they don't they look down upon each other. Yeah, it's not terribly surprising. Okay. Um, that's why we need to convert souls because they have no concept of these pagan religions. Not the people, but the pagan religions have no concept of. Uh, our Lord's second great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself it's like well, why sure <laughs> why why would I love my neighbor it doesn't benefit me at all I'll love him enough that he'll he'll treat me in a certain way I'll love him enough that he'll do business with me or I'll love him enough just to get what I need it's not love of course it's just uh, it's just utility um, so I think that's something that really is very obvious even though America is not a Catholic country uh, or some of these European countries, they they still have a background in, there's still some residual Christianity left over. There's some residual Catholicism in our culture. Uh, we need a lot more, obviously. Um, so, you know, for us, it's quite shocking when you, when you come across certain cult cultures that have zero fraternal charity. Mm. It's like, well, why would you not have that? We, we were raised with it, so it's not it's not not from our merit. It's not like we did it, but we enjoy it. And when you come across places that that are not that way, you think, "Wow, hmm. I start to appreciate one thing that more than anything else, I've lived nine years in Asia is appreciating the Catholic faith, the beauty of the Catholic faith, uh, the logic, the ra rationality of the Catholic faith, and at the end of the day, how it creates. A beautiful civilization when, when given the opportunity sure. <laughs> when Catholics do their sure, job sure. Uh, that's that's the other scandal is um, is there are many places where you know Catholics anywhere in the world they don't live the Catholic faith and and pagans don't convert right yeah because they're like yeah. well what are you talking about they say this is a true religion but you're not living it so uh, can't be that good so sure. example at the end of the day example is is the number one converter of souls so well, before we get to the practical, mm -hmm. how we can help part of the podcast, um, lo lots of us know some of the historical missionary mm -hmm. stories mm -hmm. uh, involving Asia, the Jesuits mm -hmm. in India, the martyrs of Japan. Are there any, can you share a story or two with us maybe before we wrap up of sure. 
<clears throat> whether it's your work or work in the district that maybe is not well known to Americans or that or that show the the vitality of the faith mm, and the tradition mm. to show that this missionary effort uh, continues even mm. in, even in the crisis, even in these these times. Mm. I would say one thing that's a striking, uh, striking not example, but common thing that maybe in in, in this country we don't see so much um, as much as because it's not necessary is the length. Um, to which a lot of these peoples have to go to to get to mass to, mm. uh, you know, uh, I was telling people in another city here, you know, I said it's really it's really shocking when 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 one of us comes back from from the missions and the faithful come up to us in in, in some chapel in the U.S. and like oh, Father, you really we're not happy with our priest, you know, you know what he he doesn't schedule a mass at the time we'd like. He's you know we'd like to move it a half an hour this way, a half an hour that way, an hour this way. The donuts aren't very good after Mass, and uh, oh, it's, it's, you can't believe it. You know, can't believe what we're suffering over here. You know, sometimes the church is like five degrees too cold or too hot, and you're thinking, okay, all right. What, what I see on a general basis is people making, in Asia, they're making huge sacrifices, they're making huge travels, and they're getting Mass once a month, maybe. Wow. They, they, they get to see the priest for two or three hours on a Sunday evening, maybe, and then he's gone. Okay, and they've got all these Catholic things, these Catholic questions, these Catholic uh, um, situations they want to ask sure. the priest. They want to talk to the priest. They want to get to know the priest. They want to spend time with the priest or the, or the brothers or the sisters. And the most we can give them is sometimes not even once a month. And the few places we go to, it's every other month on a Sunday night or on a weekday when we can swing it. And okay. it just breaks your heart because uh, even even once a week would be great for a lot of these places. Um, some many places, because of a lack of priests and difficulties, we, we we can't even go once a week, and it just breaks your heart. So I would say one thing that is always impressive. Let's say you talk about the vitality of the faith, what they have to sacrifice. I told you already early in the podcast that you know they have to also go against that social fabric which is mm. so strong they have to go against that and say yes even though my family doesn't approve my parents don't approve or whatever it is i'm going to go to the to the mass um maybe my my family members are not even catholic and, and they're really disapprove they hate the catholic faith and i'm gonna go that's that's impressive yeah. to go against that social fabric sure. but also i would say yeah that the sacrifices they have to make you know the cost of living can be very high in some of these countries and they give up uh, their money, their time, their effort to to make the mass happen, and that's that's wonderful to see um, how much they love the mass, how much they're willing to, and 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 that's that's true in many countries in the U.S. as sure. well. Um, but certainly, because we are not able to visit all of them as often as, as they they deserve, um, that's a real uh, motivator. To give okay. more and more to say to the young men. That's why I'm going on the U.S. and the young men, young women. Listen, there's there's a whole half of the world in this little region of Asia that is is living in darkness, and um, they're mostly pagan. And therefore, it's 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 on our shoulders, not just sure. the priests, but the faithful, everybody. It's all of our duty. I mean, our Lord said, "Go and and teach all nations, baptizing them." Um, it's it's kind of on our shoulders. We can't just ignore that. So. Um, insofar as stories, um, yeah, we could spend a lot of time on that. But, but generally, I would say, if you want a, a general, a general picture, it's it's to see the the beauty of, of of 
selflessness, a generosity these people have to say, Father, what do you need to make the Mass happen? What do you need for your travel? What do you need for this? Uh, how can we help more and more? Um, that's always wonderful to see, uh, that, that sort of generosity. Okay. So, so how can we help? So, what's, yeah, what's I mean, the best I th- way to say it, what, what's the best way to keep abreast of what's going on <laughs> in the District of Asia, okay. and, and how can we help? Um, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, if you remember the famous uh, episode of uh, Fulton Sheen on um, on the plane, you ever hear that one? I don't. I don't know. So uh, Fulton Sheen's on this plane traveling across the U.S. to give a lecture somewhere else, uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen, and he uh, and the plane's hitting heavy, heavy turbulence. I mean, it's really shock. Things sure. are moving all over the place. It's really a bad turbulence, and people are screaming and and the uh, the. The people next, uh, all the seats around him say, you know, they, they grab him and say, hey, you know, you're a man of the cloth, you know, do something, do something religious to save us or do something religious. Sure, sure. And he says, well, so I just stood up, took off my hat and started taking a collection. You <laughs> 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 told me to do something religious, that's what we do. Uh, so no, yeah, we're always, always, we have so many projects across Asia um, where we, the, the, the local faithful are very good, very generous, but sometimes you hit the bigger projects, a bit like your Magnificent Immaculata. Mm-hmm. The local faithful here did wonderful. But we also ask people from other countries, other states to help out. Uh, it's the same in, in, um, in, in Asia. The local people do a very good job of keeping things running, running things locally. But there's, there's projects that we need to build a church in this place, we need to help with the school in that place, the orphanage, this convent, uh, the sisters, the brothers, you know, uh, all these sorts of things. We're always uh, happy to to take donations from people to, to ca- carry on the good work. We In the in the U.S., we have the Foreign Mission Trust, um, mm-hmm. which people can send money to. We also have this this magazine, the, the, the Apostle magazine, um, we put out a couple times a year. On the back of the magazine, there's all this okay. information about um, donations, but there's also a, an email address where you can email and we'll put you on the mailing list for this uh, Apostle magazine. It's a okay. great magazine, very well done. Okay, um, we'll include that in the notes yes, for this as well. Can, and all, that's all also that. available as a, as electronic PDF. Okay. Or as a, as a or Some people just like the to have the physical thing sure. mailed to their address. It's quite nice to look at. Um, other than that, um, you know, if people want to give us their firstborn sons or daughters, okay, uh, you know, okay, as long as they're well behaved. Um, uh, so yeah, I think uh, really at the end of the day, we always are in need of donations for for the missions, but we are also in need of young men, young women. I, I can't emphasize that enough. Even if the donations came in, which we can always use more, even if they come in, at the end of the day, uh, if you're down to one priest and uh, he's got a nice bank account, well. Still doesn't make much of a difference, right? Sure. Money doesn't save souls. Money helps to support the priests, the brothers and sisters to save souls. But at the end of the day, you need bodies. Sure. You need, uh, you need good, generous souls. So I, I can't emphasize that enough. And, and not just because, and, and I say the same thing to our people out in, in the countries in Asia. It's like, you know, listen, um, we might have a, maybe you're able to build a church here, or maybe you're able to do this, but we need to be looking 10, 20 years ahead uh, we're the uh, we're not getting younger, and therefore we need more young men, young women to to come forward okay. and, uh, to answer. Which certainly that God is calling souls. Um, maybe people aren't picking up the phone, and that's okay. that's the problem. So I think we need to work on that a lot. That's that's really the the very heart of our uh, 
of any work in the church is, you know, you need uh, young men, young women to answer that call. That's that's critical. And, and by the way, it's the most glorious life you could ever have. I mean, you, I don't, you know, no priest I know regrets it for a second. No nun, no brother. They wouldn't be anywhere else. Uh-huh. Not not that the married life is not a wonderful thing. It's a sacrament. I, no 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 disrespect to that. But at the same time, um, there's a whole nother world out there that they should consider. Um, I mean, amazing. You can't, you you can't say that you don't wake up every day in the in, in, as a religious and be like, wow, God has given me this this opportunity uh, to work for the most important thing in the whole world. I don't care who the uh, what else you do in this world. There's nothing that you can objectively say is higher than working in this field. Uh, not not just the missions anywhere, sure. uh, anywhere where God sends yeah. you, uh, and therefore. What a wonderful life it is, and even though it's it's a different type of cross, you know, the married life has a certain cross attached to it, and the religious life has a different cross attached. Of course, the single life, if God calls someone to that, of course. But to say what is what is the purpose you are on this earth? Um, well, according to my circumstances, I'm working for the salvation of souls. You don't get much higher than that. I don't know that you can get higher than that objectively. Sure. So, so I think that's that's a okay. wonderful thing to wake up in the morning and. And say today is going to be a lot of uh, annoyances and challenges and difficulties, but you know what? I'm supposed to be here, and uh, no, I can't ask questions after that. So, so yeah, obviously, Potsdamites is a very good way to keep and keep uh, keep abreast of our events. Uh, we do have a district website which you can sure. put up there that's mm-hmm. got information on it. Um, but I would say those are the two main things. Um, is to we we do have a a YouTube channel. Um, SSPX District of Asia, which I think he put mm-hmm. there. We put up sermons on there. Uh, a lot of people like that. I'm not sure why, but they, people like that <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> people like listening to sermons on YouTube. Okay, great. Um, it's much better in person. But um, I guess if you're not living in Asia, then better to, to listen to them there. So. Sure. Uh, yeah, for, for those interested in helping out in the, um, the Rosa Mystica Medical Mission, um, we'll put a link up there sure. of a contact detail that there's a uh, a person out in in the Philippines who runs that and takes and or arranges for great. the volunteers to come out because that's that's a wonderful thing. People, a lot of people have had great, a good experience with that and also renewed their their zeal for uh, charity. I think wonderful, that's a good thing. Okay, Father, can't thank you enough for your time. Thank my, you for my pleasure. My pleasure for the information, the stories. We'll certainly uh, include the links here on okay. on the podcast and in the notes, and hope to have you back again in the future. God bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Father. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to or watching the SSPX podcast. Please keep in mind the best way to help more people see these videos and to hear this podcast is to subscribe on YouTube or subscribe on your favorite podcast app and rate or review wherever you listen. Also, please remember, this is an apostolate. It's free to listen or to watch anytime, but we also need your help. Would you please consider submitting a one-time donation or sign up for a small $5, $10, or $20 a month donation at sspxpodcast.com. This helps us to continue this important work of sharing the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism with as many people as possible. Until next time, thank you for listening and God bless you.